പോളണ്ടിൽ എന്ത് സംഭവിച്ചു പോളണ്ടിനെ പറ്റി നീ ഒരക്ഷരം മിണ്ടരുത് Hello, my name is Harsha. Welcome to Poland in a Pati, a podcast about Malayalam cinema in which we explore a number of themes through Malayalam films, old and new. Masculinity, urbanism, nepotism are just a few examples we've chosen for this first series of podcasts. With me is my friend Catherine. Through our examination of this rich cinematic tradition, we hope to share our love for the cinema from the state of Kerala, although we can't guarantee that we'll never ever say anything about Poland. You and I have talked about the fact that uh when you're born in something, it's just kind of the water you live in. Um you don't necessarily um analyze it or, you know, think about it from a larger sense of how it fits into cinema at least not when you're a kid and um i feel like malayalis probably are are uh more attuned to thinking of their cinema in in and its place in sort of the global filmmaking uh tradition um I, just because of the kind of movies we make and and you know our cultural ties to communism and latin america and things like that so um probably uh my parents always emphasized the fact that uh malayalam cinema was something special that um you know in some ways it was actually a a a, a boon to us as malayalis that we have this tradition of filmmaking um and growing up i was only allowed to watch malayalam movies and english movies i was not allowed to watch um hindi movies my parents didn't approve of them so for me coming to malayalam cinema as an older um as an older teen um seeing it as part of this whole um uh landscape of of indian cinema um and having you know sharing narrative traditions with you know obviously tamil cinema uh and and telugu and and um and certainly hindi cinema and bengali um was was actually a new thing for me to be able to understand malayalam cinema in the context of of um other uh, industries in south asia we've talked a little bit too about the fact of, about me coming and and saying um from from my perspective as a canadian with canadian cinema that it's not something we do celebrate it but not in the same way like i don't see a lot of film discussion in in all the people who are looking at you know american films and uk films and south korean films and films from all over the world i don't see those people talking about canadian film culture it it certainly exists we have some exceptional films and exceptional filmmakers um and award winning filmmakers and i think real cinephiles are aware of our cinema but it's not something we kind of like i don't go oh yeah let me let me get excited about canadian films for you although going through this process with you and discussing this has actually got me more attuned to my own cinematic tradition and culture so that's that's kind of been kind of interesting to hear you talk about that from your perspective yeah i think it's a good lesson in the fact that even if you're a tiny industry with like a a certain number like a very limited number of um potential audience members you can still be some be some, the source of pride for you know your mm. your sort of um 
ethnic group slash, uh, you know, national group. That's certainly true of Malayalam cinema, and I, 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 that's very, that makes it very special. But you've talked about having some mixed feelings about coming to that too, haven't you? Yeah, um, for sure. I, when I was a kid growing up, obviously uh, it was the heyday in the 90s. It was the heyday of early 90s, particularly. Mohanlal was making these movies that uh, were great for the family, uh, you know, had a lot of complex layered themes. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to some of those, you know, early, late 80s, early 90s films in this episode. Um, but uh, by the time I came to the States, I was a Gulf kid. So I uh, spent uh, a good part of my childhood in the Middle East. And then I, um, as I was turning into an adolescent, we moved to America. So I cut ties with Kerala in two ways at around that time. Uh, one of which was uh, obviously the physical distance from uh, my uh, motherland, because I would go back every summer. I, I lost that ability uh, to stay in touch with my Malayalam heritage, as well as uh, cutting ties with movies, because um, the movies of the early 2000s were extremely misogynistic. And um, both <laughs> me and, and my mom um, flat out told my dad we would never go to a theater to watch uh, movies after 2002. And and I, in my te- teens, I was mostly into like, um, you know, I was exploring cinema and I was uh, exploring, obviously, uh, American independent features and, and European and Iranian and South, Amer- uh, South American as well as, um, you know, Chinese and Korean. But coming back to Indian cinema, um, Bollywood itself was going through a, a, a bit of a transition in the mid 2000s. You know, we had Omkara, we had Jab We Met, you know, stories that were... Um, more rooted in the human experience than um, Bollywood films in the past had been. And, um, you know, less, you know, the the ambition wasn't to go from that, uh, you know, Shah Khan always says is to show that fantasy um, on screen that is removed from the normal person's life. Um, And instead they wanted to show a more rooted kind of uh, Indian cinema. In Bollywood, and, and I think I was really drawn to that. Um, yeah, it has certainly had more polish than Malayalam cinema ever had. You know, uh, everybody was more fair-skinned. Um, there was a lot more makeup and fashion than than um, Malayalam cinema was interested in. Um, but yeah, when in the early 2010s onwards, maybe 2009 onwards, I felt a call back to Malayalam cinema because of movies like uh, Pranjit and the Saint and Naitan, as well as uh, City of God. Um, Felice had a lot to do with that uh, return to Malayalam cinema for me, mm. at least. And, and a lot of that actually transition, I would say, is owed to the fact that um, Tamar cinema in the mid-2000s was also doing things like Subramanyapuram, um, which... I remember Malayali saying, hey, this is the kind of films we used to make. Why don't we make these kind of films anymore? And, and uh, yeah, I think Tamil Cinema set a, an example that, hey, why, don't, why aren't we making these more um, rooted stories um, that are about, yes, men, for sure, but also uh, about the complex relationships between men and women. 
and we can, you know, we can get back to those times um, that we had in the 80s. So for sure, for me, that return was a homecoming. So that was very long-winded. What about you, Catherine? <laughs> What's your journey? Well, no, I've, I find it interesting, like, I, I, we constantly have these touchstones that we kind of share similar experiences around. Um, because I got into Malayalam cinema about the same time that you were coming back to it. And, and I had the same kind of experience, always been a fan of world cinema, watched films from everywhere, including mm. India, except for me, um, I would have thought of them as Indian films and not as, like, I, I wasn't as aware of different regions, different languages. So I would have seen Adur Gopalakrishnan at film festivals. I, I know that I saw um, Shaji Karan's film Piravi on the Arte channel when I lived in France. But for me, they would have been Indian films rather than recognizing as them a fil films from a particular region. Ray's films, Bengali films, like those kind of things that are, are kind of typically film festivals in the West will pick up. And that's about as far as they'll go. Ray and uh, Adur both have that reputation of transcending their regional cinema to become mm. part of a global parallel cinema uh, um, culture. And and to be honest, I don't even know if I can say I've seen an Adur film um, because those are not the films I've normally draw, uh, been drawn to. Mm. So yeah, it makes sense to me that you saw those films as, you know, Indian cinema. Indian cinema's contribution to the parallel yep. cinema uh, industry in the world. But what got me into Malayalam cinema was Bollywood, quite honestly, um, because I, I lived in a little apartment while I was working on my master's and I got two TV channels, one of which was the local multicultural station, and they played Bollywood films on the weekend. So I would watch them and I learned, that's where I started learning more, learning more, learning more, and connected with the online community until 2009, when Shahrukh Khan again <laughs> um, decided to make Bilu. And I was following a lot of the press stuff about that. And one of the, the comments that was made that he was um, giving a story credit to someone named Srinivasan. And I went, who? <laughs> because I was stupid. I was, I was not knowledgeable. But that sparked me to go and look and here's where I need your help for the film <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> that was the film. Um, and I kind of got curious. And then I thought, well, how can I see this film? And my husband did some sleuthing and found a grocery in the east end of Toronto run by Malalis. And they said, yes, we have DVDs. We bring them in from Kerala. And they were actually bringing in legitimate DVDs. And but they had it and it had subtitles. So we, we drove like an hour and a half to the east end of Toronto to this place and picked up the DVD. And then I started looking at their DVD shelf and went, oh, this looks interesting. This looks interesting. This looks interesting. Took a pile to the cash. And the guy behind the cash looked at my pile and said, hang on a minute. Turned around behind the counter, pulled something out and said, have you seen this? I'm like, no, dude, I have not seen any films like you are, you are watching the kid with the open the the candy box, right now, and that was um, Nandanam. So those 
I don't remember what else I pulled off the stack. I just started pulling films that kind of looked interesting. Um, but those were the two films that I watched and kind of went, whoa, there's something here. And, and I just started, you know, I would search for writers and directors and actors that, that appealed to me. And I just kept going and going and going. And 10 years later, here I am still mispronouncing, but, um, but really intrigued and entertained by something I was not seeing in the other Indian cinema that I, that I was watching. So there we are. <laughs> and yes, I do need to give a shout out in my own journey to, um, you know, the era of the bloggers, um, the Indian film bloggers in the West, um, including you, who really played a role in, you know, helping me find some of these films, bringing me back into the Indian cinema fold, you know, Bollywood, um, the forum, mm. the, the um, there's a lot of people out there who were doing some excellent writing about Indian cinema at that time. Oh, yeah. um, especially, um, you know, you guys would do those uh, fest festival times where you would take pick a theme and blog about the uh, movies around that theme. Those are really great. Yeah, blogathons. That were wonderful. Um, and yeah. I miss blogathons a lot. They're still done in kind of the wider cinema community, particularly there's some people doing uh, who are really interested in silent film and classic Hollywood. And I've actually done some, entered some of their blogathons with my Indian film posts when I can fit into the theme. Like they did one on silent films, so I found, you know, Indian silent films. And um, they did one, a theme on the sea, and I did um, a film that was set uh, with a sea theme. And so I, I, I do wish that there were more of those being done, but now it seems that people are moving on to podcasts and, you know, uh, video casts. And, you know, as, as we've explored some of this new technology, people are doing diff new and different things with it, which is, which is cool. Um, I still consider myself a writer though. I, I find that's, that's where I like to focus. But I also, I also knew there was a kind of a gap in terms of podcasting. Not that people aren't dealing with Malayalam films. They are. Um, the other Banana podcast um, discusses some, even though their, their main focus is more Tamil, I think. And they do, they do come out in some of the video bloggers. It's, it's quite, been quite interesting for me because I don't know about if you think back 10 years. Um, for me, I kind of felt like I was the lone voice out here shouting about this great cinema and part of the reason was it was really hard to get access to it like I had to drive you know to the east end of Toronto to get DVDs I eventually found a place online that that I could order DVDs and I would order them so the films would come out and I'd get really excited and then I'd have to wait three months for a DVD to come out and then I'd get really excited and watch it I'd be telling people about it and they were like yeah but where do we see it so it's it's kind of funny now that um <laughs> and particularly now with the plague I'm I'm actually getting better earlier access to films than I did 10 years ago. Um, so it's been really fascinating for me to see how that has has changed. And that's that's probably true for for other um other language cinema as well, but it's been especially true for for Malayalam cinema and more things with subtitles because I I used to go searching for films from the 90s and everything was no subtitles, no subtitles, no subtitles, or it would be a really terrible film and it would have subtitles. <laughs> that, that used to frustrate me terribly. 
But that's gotten a lot better with some of the streaming services that have recognized that they can reach a, a wider audience if they put, at the very least, English subtitles on it. So I remember around circa 2009, maybe just uh, 2010, um, just looking for a blog, um, like, you know, these wonderful uh, uh, Shashi Kapoor blogs, or uh, just looking for something that was focused on Malayalam cinema. And you were right, you were the only one out there just singularly focused on Malayalam cinema. Um, Yeah, I was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still crazy, quite honestly. And, and my my blog, Totally Filmy, is actually, the, the title comes from a Bollywood film whose name escapes me at the moment. But the, at one point, one of the characters says to another, oh, you're so totally filmy in English. You're so totally filmy. And I went, that's it. And early on, most of what I wrote about was, was Bollywood films. But once I hit that in 2009, I hit that, it was like more and more and more. This is, with limited time, this is what I want to write about. Um, and particularly with a lot of the films, like one of the films we'll talk about today, Hitler, that got several remakes. And you see this, you see lots of lots of Malayalam films get five or six language remakes um, because obviously somebody was looking at, at that cinema and saying, oh, there's something worth mining there. I remember being a kid um, in middle school and having a bunch of like Telugu friends, um, classmates who... I was talking about a movie, I'd see, or they were talking about a movie they had seen on the weekend with their parents, and they were saying the story, and I was like, wait, that's Hitler in the Malayalam movie. And they were like, yeah, that's what it's called. And I was like, oh, did they just remake it in Telugu? And she was like, I guess so. But yeah, we were telling the story to each other, and we, she was like, yep, 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 that sounds exactly right, it yeah. So yeah, um, I think that's the same for Manichatratare, though I don't think it was as faithfully remade um, as as maybe Hitler was, because there was a lot more nuance to Manichatratare than Hitler. And by the time Rajnikant got to it, (laughs) it was like, nothing, nothing like the same film. So, but but I do find that fascinating that that somehow there is there is a core there that that speaks to people. Um, I actually think that Bilu is one of the better remakes, and I often wonder if it didn't really do as well because people didn't know how good Malayalam cinema writing could be, and they were expecting something different because it's it's a fairly faithful remake. Of the original, um, and I find it quite interesting when they got Laura Dutta to to play the 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 wife, uh, yeah, the wife. They did, yeah, they did a big a big thing about how she was going to be <laughs> glammed down, and and because that's what it was like in the original. But you have the same actress in the Tamil version, who is now suddenly glammed up, and I'm like, they're supposed to be poor. Why is she wearing chiffon? It's like, it didn't make any sense to me. But th- but those differences are interesting to me, for me to think about. And I think, you know, they come down in some ways to what audiences expect. Do audiences expect, getting back to what you were saying about Shah Rukh Khan, do, do audiences expect to be entertained and they expect a fantasy? Or do they want to see something realistic reflected on screen? 
Um, so I, you know, I think those, the remakes try to navigate that sometimes successfully and more often than not unsuccessfully. Although again, the Telugu remake of Hitler is virtually a, a frame-to-frame remake with some small exceptions, like he gets to reconcile with his father. I don't know. I mean, you could probably argue both ways are equally valid in terms of storytelling, but um, yeah. Anyway, so maybe... Oh, I would say, I would say that um, Malayalam cinema, even at its worst, is probably more comfortable with uh, loose endings and yep. that in a way that maybe other industries are not and gossip break uh once i uh the thing i remember most about the filming of the Lou barber was how much Shah Rukh khan hated being in a village he just absolutely hated it he said it's dirty and mucky here and i have to walk around and get dirt on my shoes and <laughs> i was like this is what every person who lives in bombay uh thinks about every village so that that made a lot of sense <laughs> He's such a city kid uh, between Delhi and Bombay. He's never lived in the village. Yeah. Well, and and to be fair, his character is someone who has left that village and become a superstar. So it's it's easy to understand why he might feel uncomfortable going back to that after he's, you know, hit these heights. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's interesting. (laughs) Anyway, so after all of that, um, introducing ourselves a little bit, so you came up with the idea, which I thought was really good, to organize discussions around themes rather than just always deal with a particular film. And so the first theme you suggested we, we look at is masculinity, which is such a thing to open in this day and age. And since we've talked about Hitler a lot um, the, from 1996, why don't we start with that? Because for me, for me, when I looked through the films that were suggested, um, we've got Hitler, Sukhumadevi, Angabali Dari's, and Kumbalangi Nights. Um, but um, that seemed to be an interesting progression for me with with those films. So if you don't mind, maybe we can we can look at them in that way. Do you want to do you want to start by sort of giving a little bit of a synopsis about about Hitler and what it's about? Sure. Um... I did want to say that I, I, you know, thinking back on these four movies together, I was thinking that it was actually quite a, they, they paired interestingly with each other um, in terms of, you know, thinking about these homosocial relationships between men and what it means, uh, especially when it comes to Angamali Diaries and Sukumo Devi as, uh, and, you know, sort of man as brother in Kumbalangi Nights and um, Hitler except in Hitler, um, this is the summary portion. He is a brother to five sisters. He, the name Hitler come, is a Ertapede. Um, in, in Kerala, an Ertapede is a negative nickname that you get um, for something that the neighborhood knows you f- uh, infamously for. Um, so he's Hitler because um, the men on this uh, in the area think that he doesn't let them walk down the street minding their own business because he has these five beautiful sisters who, uh, for him, every man is trying to get their paws on. And uh, yeah, it's joked off that you know when the girls get on the bus together, the men rub up against them. Um, 
there's there's an ex, there's a ton of problematic content in this movie um and he is the domineering um you know if you're familiar mm. with the trope of the carnivore he's the domineering carnivore the ma- master of the house um to these five sisters and he the, he does have a, a living father who is estranged from them um so he he makes every decision for these girls he does not believe that they are capable of making their own decisions um and this entire movie is in in some ways about the fallout of uh this kind of setup of not letting your sisters make their own decisions and not have their own voice but of course at the end he still he still comes out on top would you say that's an accurate summary oh yeah oh yeah right down to the the problematic stuff and it's i i try to be fair to him because there are, there are some scenes where we see how from a very very young age he had to go and work and and work tirelessly to provide for these sisters so you can kind of see where his attitude comes from a little bit but i found the fact that i could never remember the sisters names because they're just really they're plot devices and the and Gauri, the woman he's supposed to marry, played by Shobana, is actually the the one character who has a little bit of spark to her, and she's the one that encourages the sisters. They go out and they sing and dance with that song while he's away, and, it, and she kind of encourages them a little bit. But her character disappears as for disappears for long stretches as well. I mean, she's she's there. I mean, she's supposed to, you know she's supposed to be married to him, and her brother is supposed to marry one of the sisters. And, you know, there's a whole complicated fallout from from that. I I will admit one of the points where I kind of went, oh, dear, uh, was, is it the old, the oldest sister? And I don't know in the Malayalam version, in the, in the Telugu version, he's arranging a marriage for this older sister and they've arranged a really good marriage. Um, But because I was watching without subtitles, I I wasn't sure about that at, at one point. But she ends up being raped by a professor who's, sitting at home drunk and and she ends up in his house and um i guess i guess to his credit when he sobers up and realizes what he's done he goes to talk to mamudi's character um madhavan to tell him what he's done that i found interesting in that situation but then it it ends up with she marries him and i I went oh god the whole marry your rapist thing to redeem yourself and it's just oh dear this is one of those movies that traumatized me as a child. It might have, uh, you know, jump-started my uh, being the feminist I am. I don't remember. It came out when I was six or seven um, and uh, 96, so uh, when I was six. And it, the idea of marrying your rapist was so appalling to me, at, even at that age, that I, I just couldn't, uh, every time I, like, th- this movie stuck with me for many, many years um, as an example of how low movies can really go and, and pretend that lack of moral values is actually the most moral <laughs> way to live your life. So, um, yes, the sisters were very... Uh, the, the, their lack of relationship to each other was the most interesting to me. They were always looking to their brother for comfort rather than, you know, to each other. And Sita is the oldest who is raped by her 
teacher and she I will say she doesn't even get to tell the story of her rape. It's conveyed to us from the point of the rapist. And when Madhavan decides to arrange the marriage, the sisters are angry about it, but they don't know any of the situation. It's like, how could five sisters not talk about something like this? And, the, you know, just the, the fact that the girls are portrayed as sort of just kind of clueless in, in their own uh, victimization, you know, that they're just kind of giggle when men rub up against them and they don't know what's going on is very, is absolutely not, is ridiculous. And it's, it shows you just how much this is from a man's point of view. When girls as young as 10 are told to carry safety pins with them in Kerala to, you know, stab their any men rubbing up against them. There's the fact that these girls, these women who are in their 20s now are just so clueless and, um, you know, their only problems come from an overprotective brother in interacting with the outside world is absolutely ridiculous. And Amu is probably the most, uh, Amu the second sister is probably the, uh, strongest female character in this whole setup. She's the one who uh, is angriest at her oldest sisters being sort of sold off to this old man. Well, and that's what that's what um, pushes her. Yep. To leave and get married. Yeah. Without without her brother's permission. And sort of she gets a little bit of the climax part. Yes, it's actually about her husband being injured, but she gets to sort of have the strongest voice um, among the women in the climax. And I mean, even though what she learns is the love of her brother and nothing else. There's a lot this movie has to say about um, cast, actually. From from the, you know, mm. Madhavan, Mamuti's character, uh, and Mukesh, uh, Mukesh's character, Balan, are cousins. Ma- uh, Madhavan's mother is Balan's father's sister. So um, because of that, Balan's sister Gauri is Madhavan's Muraparna, uh, the traditional bride. And Madhavan's uh, second sister, Ammu, is Balan's uh, Muraparna. She, they're also cousins from parents of, the, of different genders. So the plan was for um, the trade to happen where they were supposed to get married at the same mm. time, all the, uh, yeah. the four siblings. The sort of kickoff of this movie action is is the fact that Madhavan breaks the promise to marry Gauri and says that Ammu cannot marry Balan and uh, yeah. from there you know land disputes start because this whole setup of marrying your cousin is to keep property within the family so so there's a lot of immediately property disputes yeah. start and uh, that kind of ends up in a lot of violence and uh, sort of the sisters trying to slowly get away from their brother's control and there's a lot of distress within the family so um it also shows sort of the importance of not breaking those traditions i guess and the upheaval that could cause when these traditional marriage promises are broken Mm. i really like chauvin's clothes in this movie that's that's the only thing I can say good about this movie is that Shovana always had on some really nice fits, and and 
And unfortunately for the other five sisters, where they're singing and dancing together, all you can see is her. Yeah, yes, yes. I love her so much. I love her so much. And I just, part of me is, what a waste to, to not have more of her in this movie. And maybe it's a good thing for her there wasn't more of her in this movie. The physical comedy she had going on in that kidnapping scene was excellent. And it made me yeah. think of another movie that she was in um, called Aramana Vidam. Um, with Jeram, where she is fighting for this property uh, from her uncle who's like taken it over. I don't know if you've seen it. I, ha- I haven't, no. And she like hires Jeram to pretend to be her like husband who got out of jail um, and like threatened this, uh, um, this, this man who's like taken over her house. Um, the physical comedy in that is excellent and the chemistry between Jeram and Shobana is wonderful highly recommend it's it's a it's high on physical comedy it's a jaunt so the other film we watched together was Sukhamo Devi from 1986 directed by Venu Nagavalli what did you think of that Catherine actually let me give a little let me do the little bit of the summary um for this one because we've got two friends Nandan played by Shankar and Sunny played by Mohanlal um and for me both of them represented and I think for the film too because it becomes quite explicit at points two kinds of ways of being as a man through two kinds of romantic relationships um so you've got Nandan who's hard working and he's quiet and he's more introverted than Sunny who is well rounded and sporty and he's well known and he's well liked he's outgoing Nandan is interested in Devi of the of the title played by Urvashi and Sunny's girlfriend is Tara played by Gita and the women are very good matches personality wise for the for the two men and Devi's mother and Nandan's mother come to a kind of a mutual understanding that their children will marry once they've both finished school and once once Nandan has has got a, a job preferably a good job but what we you know come to understand is that Devi's father is from the beginning opposed to him um, always opposed to him, and in the end, he arranges her marriage to a doctor. All of the friends, led by Sonny, decide that perhaps they should run away and have a registry marriage before the arranged marriage. But before that can happen, Sonny dies in a motorcycle accident, throwing everything into sort of turmoil, and Debbie goes on to marry the doctor. But we sort of are shown how everybody's lives are, are also very affected by the deaths of Sonny. Not only the two friends who don't who don't get married, his girlfriend ends up living as if she's his widow. She's so devastated by his death. And Vinod, his friend Vinod, who is some, you know, sort of the comedy uncle, almost, um, who is chatty and outgoing and always, you know, wanting to eat and looking for food. After the accident, he becomes mute. He's unable to talk. He's so devastated by what's happened. And in the very end, um, Nandan and Tara get married, which the film sort of describes as a practical solution for a love tragedy. So I don't know if that, <laughs> that, that leaves out a lot of the, the journey to get to the end, but um, that's sort of the nut, in a nutshell what the film is about. And when I looked at this, for me, Shankar's role was to be the sensitive one. He even calls himself that. He said, you know I'm sensitive. 
yeah and i think i think on twitter i did a screen cap and and my response was like no da dude you know because that's what he was supposed he's supposed to be he often sits by himself and he's reading a book and he often looks a little tortured when it comes to devi and um and mohanlal is definitely the manly role man the, like the guy who does everything well he but everything he does like he, he plays music well he's sporty he's all around he's popular he's reckless which ends up he's he's very reckless but he he justifies but that by saying like i have to live my life i have to live my life and and he very and there's a there's a point where he and tara go and they go to a bar and she's a little upset by this at first and he's like well you know, we can sit here, I can have a drink, it's quiet so we can talk. And he and, and that's the point where he, he discusses with her about sort of the, the difference between, he's, his, he sees two kinds of relationship, the, rom, the very romantic one, which is flowers and poetry and music, which is Devi and Nandan. And then his version of a relationship where, you know, you love aggressively and, and so, so for me, th there was this beginning of kind of two different looks at men and how they are in, particularly in romantic relationships. And to we have to note that Davy is the one who has to tell Nandan that she likes him because um, he couldn't he either he did not um, feel that strongly as she did, or or. Um, you know, he was too scared to make a move. Uh, but he basically goes along with Davy's plans. He, she's the one who kind of sets the template for, um, for their relationship. She's the one who says, you have to come talk to my mom tomorrow immediately. Uh, and, and she's, she's the one that's describing how their relationship will play out. Well, they'll have, what is it a blue house and they'll have monkeys and a three seater cars for their child. Like she's the, she's the one that's, that's deciding all of how our relationship is going to be. And she decides that he needs to wear pants and stuff, Munda. <laughs> and I, I actually found the, the, the first song where she meets him for the first time really fascinating because he's, he's uh, singing at something that the local colony has put together. And she only hears his voice and it draws her out of the house and she goes and i mean eventually the whole thing is she's she's walking at the seaside and she's seeing a couple you know doing doing you know traditional dance and it's all very but it it's like there's this pull for her for him but again it's it's she's that that's sort of the only time that he's really kind of in the driver's seat <laughs> If that makes yes, sense. Yes, and in a way he didn't even intend. Um, she basically, you, you know, it's kind yeah. of shown in the beginning that she's kind of looking out for a guy. She's hanging out on the tree, look, hoping that guys will notice her. And she, uh, you know, she develops uh, feelings for this guy just from his voice um, because she's a singer as well. And uh, then she kind of has a tantrum because he isn't like treating her. Uh, in a special way. So she decides to be really mean to him, negs him, as we say uh, today, until he gets so upset at her that um, he basically um, has to ask her what her problem is. And then she says, I like you. Um, it was a, it, I don't know, it was very sweet to me, the entire uh, portion where they were like dancing around each other by being really mean. Because you have to think about the fact that the oldest these, uh, people could have been in the college phase was 21 
they were not any, you know, they we're talking about people who mm. are from the age of 17 to 21. So yeah, they were acting like the um, young adults they are. Yeah, and there were there was a moment where I did have to stop myself because I thought I thought, oh my god, she's being so passive aggressive. She's like refusing to sing with him and blah 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 blah. And then, but then I had to take the step back and say, if she doesn't have the experience to put a lot of these emotions she's feeling into words, that's probably how someone would act at that age until she finally just sort of has to blurt it all out it's that moment where they they're supposed to be singing the duet and then she refuses to do it and and he's annoyed because she refuses to do it and then she just blurts out you know I like I love you 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 the other thing I found interesting about the film is the fact that the two mothers decide really that they they feel their children are good matches but in the end it's the father's decision that is the one that everybody has to um, accommodate. Yeah, um, and he plays a little bit of guilt into there as well. He says, I'm just a money-making machine for all of you. Nobody listens to me in this house. Yes. Um, and yes. I did think it was interesting that Sugumari's character, uh, Davy's mother, went ahead and was like, okay, come around and hang out with me. And, um, you know, uh, in that way, I think Shankar's character in London is feminized a little bit by the movie itself, because he's the sensitive guy who likes hanging out with his mother-in-law, um, as opposed to Sonny, who spends all his, if when he hangs out with his future in-laws, he's always drinking with his cop brother-in-law. You know, yeah. it's shown that Sonny is the one who's gone to talk to the man of the family to, like, get his permission. Well, and it, at one point it comes it comes out that the cop brother-in-law is the only one who actually really approves of his relationship because her parents aren't. Tara is the one who says to him that my parents don't like that you drink and and you know, but the he gets the permission from the brother. Yeah, Tara's parents are deceased, and her relatives' uh, extended family basically don't approve. Yeah, um, and uh, meanwhile, the, you know, so I'm my family is from. Um, very close to where this movie was shot, um, Javaharanagar, um, in Trivandrum. Um, it's the way everybody is really up in each other's business is um, in a colony is very reminiscent of the way uh, my earliest years were. And uh, the fact that the, everybody's like, let the dad know, hey, your your um, your future son-in-law was at the temple with your wife, and everybody's like, great job, like he's a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, In some ways, I can understand the father being a little annoyed at that because it's like everything is going right. on behind his back, and nobody's talking to him. I'm, you know, not from a culture where the father's rule is the final say, so that does feel a little strange for me. That said. I can I can also see with this father that yeah everyone's deciding everything behind his back so what else has he got to do except earn money for them, um, which may be an, an unfair thing to say in itself as well but there's it's certainly there's there's more it's more complex that what's going on here than than you know meets the eye and the um, I will say the one of the more layered one of the most interesting things about this movie for me is how modern it is or is aspiring to be. Um, you know, the first words Davy says to her brother is in English. There's a lot of English pepper throughout, which is not typical of Malala movies um, 
that we grew up, uh, I grew up with. And um, even maybe of that era, I need to go back and watch some of the movies. But I think the way they spoke English was always to make a point. Um, you know, the running military man who speaks in Hindi and English is is a trope of Mayam cinema. Um, yeah. But, the, you know, it, the fact that there's not a, a often an extended family involved, there are no uncles involved. Um, the father is the head of the family rather than the uncle. These are very um, aspirational, almost uh, modern setups of family, you know, especially the way um, Sunny and Tara are this like couple who are dancing um, at parties. Um, it, it's a very, it's very much set in uh, Trivandrum of a certain era um, in the 80s. Um, and it's very, uh, the colony life, you know, where fam it, in the colony, there might be, you know, extended family members in different households but your extended family is the neighborhood and uh, and your friends group rather than biological ties um it's 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 very much a modern movie of mm. a time in which india was opening up its economy in the so this came out in 86 and india opened up its economy in the early 90s yeah and, and i was actually struck particularly by Mohanal's character in this about how I mean it is though it is though a character that we'll see again and again from him the guy who's who's modern and and um but it was interesting you know to see it from a mid-80s perspective of how that character is being set up and this is where I get back I get back to Shankar and and the people I was talking to online because I went like where did Shankar go? And I have I went looking for more films with subtitles. They're certainly available out there without them, but the 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 only time that I'm finding films with him in it with subtitles is as his roles get progressively smaller. But it's it's kind of interesting because people would say to me, "Well, my mother and my or my aunts had had uh, such crushes on him and really loved him, and they would compare him to Kunchaka Boban with a similar kind of a similar kind of role." sort of the more the romantic, the more, I don't even want to say chocolate boy, because I, I know that's a phrase that some of these actors don't like, because it's so stereotyping for them. Soft model of masculinity. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the, the, you know, testosterone hero type. Um, and that it's probably really unfortunate for Shankar that his career started just at the time where you had Mamuti and Mohanlal in the films and you see them kind of taking over and his kind of character people were telling me like we saw less and less of this until Conchaco came along and even he's now finding a way to navigate away from those roles which is what you have to do as you get older but but for Shankar they were saying that they didn't there probably wasn't a place for him at the time he was in in his career which I found kind of interesting and, and kind of sad in a way, because I think one of the things I liked about this film was this contrast between the two men, that we weren't just saying there was one kind of way to be a man, there were at least two, at least, <laughs> that this film tells us. Well, they did offer us a third at the end with uh, Nadwari Venu's character, who he called himself a timetable baby, someone who is run, um, who's basically run by his dad's timetables. Yeah, that was, that was, and I went, wait, he's playing his age. 
it's like that's so rare i always see him playing you know somebody who's 20 years older as the father of these the roles that he's gradually grown into as he's gotten older so yeah that was a really interesting little cameo that the you know and his his admitting that part of what was going wrong between him and Devi was the fact that he wanted someone to to care so much for his child and he didn't maybe that's very negative um he didn't see her doing that in the same way as he expected. And it was the only time that we saw gendered violence in this movie where he mentioned that he hit her. Um, Cause I, I always take note of that and it always makes me cringe. So that definitely made me cringe. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, and that almost seems expected uh, as part of like an assertion of a husband's power over his wife. But the character that he is, I just don't see in actuality him being the kind of person who would hit his wife, to be honest. Uh, because, you know, there are men like that in real life and they would not hit their wives. Um, yep. It just yep. seemed like a, yep. a sort of um, concession to that idea of masculinity um, where the husband did have power over the wife. Because he says, too, he's not... This is not the marriage he wanted. He was told to do things by his dad. His dad paid a yeah. certain amount to make him a doctor. And he wanted his dad got that money back in dowry form when marrying Davy. He saw himself as being traded by his father just as Davy was. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is something to that. I would have liked to see more of that marriage. They were equally yoked in their unhappiness. And, and interesting that she decides at some point to leave him. Yes, exactly. Yes. Even even though they, she goes back to him in the end. She she does assert herself enough to say, "Nope, not doing this." Um, and that was specifically after the violence. Yeah, yeah, and it, it would have been nice to see more of how they made how she made the decision to go back rather than just I should go back because this is the father of my child or my child needs a father or. But by that point, we've got you know half hour towards the end and Sonny has died and then suddenly we've got his influence to tie up all the ends in the last half hour the editing into the last half hour was just like they just like ran out of space and needed to like cut things there was no transitions yeah. everything was just cut together one after the other um there was something really heartbreaking to me about the way Urvashi said congratulations Tara when they said that they were getting married um it was just so profoundly yeah. sad and and mournful um that she was finally giving up the the fantasies of you know her young womanhood i love this movie i think uh, it's clear from how uh, the fact that i recommended it to you um it, i always <laughs> no and i was really glad glad you did it's it's one of my favorites i'm very i feel have a lot of tender feelings towards it and i can i can see why and and for me, it really stood out from everything else I've seen come from kind of that period, and from everything else we watched t to talk about today too. Like I, particularly Shankar's character, I kind of went, oh, like I'd seen so many Mohanlal, so many Mamuti, so many like traditional hero roles, and here's something a little bit different, you know. And here is at least offering us, you know, two or possibly three ways to look at how men are in this film and and you know the women are not there like like Hitler as I said they felt more like props and here they felt like particularly Devi is you know much more complex than I would have expected 
And um, I find her, I found her mother um, also extremely fascinating as uh, a woman who wanted, you know, when she said, I want nothing more than my daughter to be married to somebody who understands her and loves her. And it was, it, it, it like, it almost made me cry because (laughs) those are, those are such realistic things for a mother to feel about, um, you know, setting up their daughter's marriage in a culture uh, of arranged marriage, just somebody who understands her, just somebody, you know, she's a moody girl who has her ways. And I just want somebody to understand she's a good girl who, who has these moods and is, is a sweet. um, And it's because she loves you that she feels all these things. It it was such a beautiful. Yeah. And as I said, I specifically I specifically wrote that down when she said it because I went, whoa, whoa, it's not just about, you know, dowry and, and using your daughter as a yeah. as a, a way to. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how, you know, she kind of ended up in the end. I mean, the, fa- the father clearly had a different idea of suitability for you know, a suitable boy for her for his daughter. And, and a different way of judging that. Like he's appalled when he sees um, Nandan in the in the restaurant or in the hotel where, where he's working as a waiter. But but uh, I mean, at least from from my subtitles, you know, it was a management trainee and they told that's him the designation they gave him do... even in the Malayalam version. Um, they yeah, called him the... a management trainee. And, but... and, and clearly told him that he would have yeah. to learn from the ground up. But it's kind of interesting that even though it's on some level a decent opportunity for, for someone, the father doesn't see it as that. He, he can't look beyond, he's here taking our order. That's terrible. That's not for my daughter. So then, you know, then it makes some sense why he, he agrees to arrange a marriage with a doctor, which, you know, is a much more respectable profession. Yeah, and um, the fact that they just leave her when she's in this uh, sort of marital trouble and, you know, the only explanation we get is they've moved away and they're with uh, Chandru. That's the last half hour where I went, well, wait a minute, where did they go? It's like, no, no space for the parents. Edit them out at this point. I, I you know, I think Nandan is the kind of tortured masculinity that um, we are exploring in in places like Kumbalangi Nights, you know, it's, it's, uh, he, he has so many feelings and he just doesn't know how to get them out. Uh, and, uh, you know, (laughs) we kind of see the, the, that's the germ of it. And, you know, we see it a little bit more in fruition in, um, in Kumbalangi Nights with, uh, what, what is the dancer, the silent dancer? Bonnie. Yeah. Bonnie. Uh, Pasi's character, um, Bonnie. Uh, yeah. he he is in the same way but he's much more like he he's the same artist who speaks through his art rather than um you know through through words um yeah we we see i think maybe we can recapture the ide- those ideas of masculinity in our new age malayalam films now um one more point i wanted to see if this was okay. the first sunny that uh, Mohanlal had played and in fact the first Sunny he had played was in 1983 in the movie Visa um, so this is you know Sunny as a Sunny the central Travancore Christian Syrian Christian is a tro- uh, Mohanlal character trope that we're all familiar with um, he's he's a he's a he's a bit 
blousy. He's um, he's uh, he's loose. Uh, he he likes a drink and the women, and he has no filter. <laughs> yeah, and I was. It was funny that you mentioned that because I was sitting here thinking, how many times has he played a character called Sonny? But the fact too that it has a purpose is also is also interesting. So Kumulangi Nights, in some ways, I think is uh, we can either think of it as a continuation from Hitler and um, the idea of of being a brother. What it means in Malayalam cinema, it's the story of four brothers who do not all share the same biological parents, but um, but they were uh, raised together as siblings because of um, a, a family com- uh, of two single parents marrying each other. And the awkward family dynamics that come from a second marriage, as well as poverty, not having a mother present in the home, and how they find a way to be siblings um, in these less than ideal circumstances. And it involves, obviously, the introduction of some women into their lives. And therapy. (laughs) I know. I just... Uh, this is the film I have the fewest notes about because every time I've watched it like five or six times and every time I start to write notes I stop and I just get completely engrossed in what's going on and every time I watch this film there's something else that I didn't see the previous time or didn't quite notice I just I don't know how to express how much how interesting I find this film and one of the notes I did make though is about the Shami character about how it's good that you mentioned Hitler because I saw him as like the Hitler character finally cracking under the weight of the patriarchy he's been trained to uphold. I just I just find it really interesting to see those. And immediately I went, these are like the same guy, except one of them we're supposed to see as positive and one of them we're not supposed to see as positive, except they're two sides of the same coin. So that's like some really interesting complicated stuff going on there with with that character he's really the patriarch brought down he's um he's a barber he's not a landowner he's coming into this family of women he has only very recently gotten control over prior to that they were very much leading their own lives and had their own identities um but it's it's a fantastic movie um because there was there's that point when um, the oldest brother played by Sobin. Yes, the the oldest brother play, uh, Saji yep. played by Sobin Shahir suffers the loss of a friend, and um, he does something, decides that he's going to self harm, um, that leads to the death of his friend. And there at that point, I had figure that he is taken to the police station after the death of his friend and the police just gives him a slap in the face and tells him not to do things like this again um and i thought that would be the conclusion of the movie um or the conclusion of that episode but uh you know the person i was watching it with asked why why doesn't someone get him some help because he's clearly in a lot of pain um emotionally and i i in the logic of my own cinema i told them that's that's not what happens. They don't have the resources to take find this person a therapist. But instead, the movie continues exploring Saji's pain, and he asks his brother to take him to a mental health professional, where he talks. I know. I I hit that moment in the film, and because you can see him, you can see he's very highly strung, 
and 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 it's just it gets worse and worse and worse until this moment where he decides to to try to commit suicide and as you said i thought well okay that's going to be the end of it and the moment he said to he said a man says to his brother I think I need to see somebody. Like, first of all, like, holy moly. Even in Western cultures, that's not a normal yes. uh, progression of events. Yeah. And here we are in Mad yeah. Allen Cinema. Yeah, so I was like, my mind was blown when we hit that. And then he goes to the therapist and he breaks down and he's crying. And the therapist hugs him. I was sort of like, whoa, film, are you ever doing something wonderful here? But it's also like the fact that we're surprised at yes. that. Like, I don't, I, I'm trying to think where else I have seen. I mean, probably, surely it's, it's, yeah, it was just. And the fact that these brothers are always, like, the brothers have different ways of responding to this abandonment by their mother. Because it's very clearly an abandonment. Again, like, how does your mother abandon you? How can she? How can a mother in this in this community possibly abandon her children? What What was? I wish I we would know more about what provoked that, but it's just like she made this decision. She's going into this religious community, and you guys are on your own. And how each of them has kind of responded in different ways to that. Like the youngest one has a scholarship and is going to school, and uh, is is kind of the one with that has his head on the straightest of of all of them he just wants a mom and he wants to keep his family together the youngest one yeah and and the fact for me that they bring all these different women into their lives and the women are clearly different different personalities like they bring the the wife of the the tamil guy who who died they bring her and the baby in, and there's all this madonna mm -hmm. imagery about around that and the tourist who is clearly not going to stay around the tourist. She's probably not going to stick around Kerala to live with Bonnie for the rest of their lives together. But it's it's very clear that she too adds something special to that, their lives. Um, you know, when she kind of says, no, we're just, we're, we're, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and the youngest gets an idea of another kind of relationship with a woman he had just he had only thought of us like mother figures. It was very, it yeah. was very sweet the way he interacted with each woman in the uh, that had his brothers brought into the family, and and how offended Shami is by the fact that this woman would bring a man back to the homestay. Like yeah. it just goes against every traditional value he is cracking under. And at, there's a point too where um, Baby and Bobby go to the movies. And he's trying to kiss her and, and she's like, no, you know, no, no. And, and when he persists, she says, marry me first. And then in English, he comes out with the line, then sex is not a promise, which is a dialogue from another film, Mayanadi. And I was, yeah. I was reading a little bit about that. And the, the writer of that said that what he wanted to convey was a kind of female agency around sexuality where women could say, I just, I just want... I just want to have sex with you because I want to enjoy it. Yes. Which is like, whoa. Again, in even in Western culture, that's something that, that kind of will stand out at times. That, that women have this kind of agency, just like men, and maybe they just, they don't want to get married. Again, that comes back to our tourist. Don't want to get married. Just want to enjoy the relationship we're in here now for what it is. 
whatever kind of relationship it is, and maybe it'll stick and maybe it won't. Maybe we'll move on. Um, so many interesting things this film does. And I like that she got the same romantic treatment that uh, <laughs> in some ways uh, Baby and Bobby were given as well. Baby and Bobby are a funny couple. The, you know, the the fact that Bobby like um, doesn't smoke weed because it causes him to <laughs> think too. It'll make you think. I don't want to think. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're not about thinking. <laughs> but even at one point, Baby says, has true, has true love gone out of fashion? If I, if, I wanted, if I wanted a suitable boy, I would have gone to a matrimonial agency. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. She's, she's aware enough to, to know. Maybe he's not suitable. Right. Certainly not according to her brother-in-law. And, and the fact that in, in trying to become suitable, he takes a job that clearly isn't suited to his personality and she's the one who says well why don't you just become a fisherman yeah as if it's something that hadn't occurred to him before like I could do something I want to do rather than something that's required of me and in that dynamic um of baby and bobby where you know sort of baby's taking the lead and you know sort of setting him on a course we do see the echoes of of uh Nandan and Davy where baby's the one taking the lead she's the one with the crush um yeah it is interesting that you know i think there is this idea that women like Devi, um like puja matthew from uh om shanti oshana the crazy like girl who has a crush is is a relatively new invention of malayalam senua we had that we just didn't um kind of acknowledge that it was the woman expressing her desire um back in the 80s, you know, because mm. immediately there was, uh, Nandan came back with, I feel the same way um, in, in um, Sukumo Devi. I think naturally there would have been a process where he's like, well, I have to think about this, you crazy girl. You, you, you can't just be like nagging me and insulting <laughs> me and then telling me that you like me. So there is, I think that it would have been nice to have in Sukumo Devi to um, let Nandan process his feelings for Devi and stuff immediately saying, yes, I like you too. Again, they're very young. Yeah, but that's what we're, we're also getting now yes. with Kumbalangi Nights. It, it, now I'm, something that will be interesting maybe going further, forward is to explore whether whether there's something in between these, these two films or um, if, it's, if it's an idea about women and their feelings and men and, and their being the recipients of those feelings, whether that's disappeared or is underplayed or because the hero became such a big thing. I was reading an article last week about how how Mamuti and Mohan all became superstars. And, you know, if it's there, are where are those films? And are they just things that, that don't come to mind because the hero type films are the things that get all the attention? I really, um, I feel like Ravati and Shobana probably have played these characters where they go after men they want. Maybe the intention is not desire. Maybe it's other reasons. Um, I feel like in the 90s, that was, that was a, like, women would go after men, but they had reasons beyond their own desires and feelings that they had financial security or, or, um, you know, they were dying or something like that. Um, I'm thinking of Minnatum specifically. Yeah. So um, Mm. I wonder, I wonder what happened to those women. 
there was certainly a loss of agency for women in the 2000s that um, probably kept female characters like this from being written. Well, and there was there, like when I think about this now that uh, now that I'm sort of exploring a bit deeper, there are women I can come up with from the 80s and 90s who I can recognize. And mm-hmm. sort of from 2010 on, it's the same thing. But then again, the films like 2000 to 2010 are not the films that have drawn my attention, except yes. when I'm kind of forced to go and look at them. Because it's not that there weren't any good films there. There were. But it is such a, yeah, such a not golden era of Malayalam cinema. Um, I'm think- So there's a, a movie called Myra starring Samikta Varma and Vijumena. And I think we see a little bit of that um, female expression of desire as well. She, you know, um, uh, Biju Menon plays her music teacher, Samikta Verma's music teacher in in Mara. Um, And again, there's a bit of this unspoken, uh, um, you know, trying to mask it in like music and poetry rather than the kind of frenetic insanity of um, like Pooja Matthew and Baby just like, you know, doing klutzy things to get the attention of their crush. I think there's an idea now that we can be comfortable in how stupid women can be when they're in love as well. <laughs> oh, and and I know, to be honest, I know when a film is kind of hitting that mark because, again, like with Sukuma Devi, I had to take a step back and go, <laughs> what was I like at that age? Yeah, I was yeah, I was pretty clueless and I didn't have a lot of the ways to and and particularly with my age and, and the and the you know, I grew up in a rather strict Catholic family. Um I would it wouldn't have been a topic of discussion. It would have been completely I wouldn't have had the the language to even speak about things. So yeah, I would have been like oh dude, go away. I would have been, you know, grumpy and sulky until sort of something forced Mm -hmm. me to push out the confession and I think that's you know we need to recognize that and understand it that that you know even even today some young women don't have the experience to express themselves when they're just learning all of this it's all new it's all fresh yeah um and I think there's a there is um I think probably baby's a little more forthright in her feelings probably because she's older I think she's probably like in her mid-20s by this movie or you know I'd say like 23 24 she's clearly like out of college and uh, has been working for a few years Mm. um, or if she ever went to college but yeah she's much more assertive in her desires and because of her age as well as the era in which she's living and her class you know she she is lower lower middle class so she she probably doesn't have as much um reputation to upkeep as somebody like baby Mm. and i wonder about you know looking at the example of her sister too and the and the sister's marriage and it's quite obvious that Mm -hmm. the three women in this household are terrorized by him weirded out they're just weirded out (laughs) yeah yeah but as as the film progresses it's like you can you see you know grace's character like Mm -hmm. Oh, what is this? How is he going to react? She knows that some things will provoke a reaction in him. I found it quite interesting, though, that initially the reaction is he goes and stands in the corner, and she's like, "I didn't expect that." And they they call up the the guy who works at the the barber shop with him. Like, he does that. Just just leave him. Just leave him. In the back of my mind, I was constantly going, "Yeah, how much weirder is this going to get?" Yeah, and if I were living in that household, I think. 
I would be trying to assert myself and get out. Well, it just, you know, then the, then there's the whole complexity about leaving your mother and your sister there with this weird guy. Again, a, a compli- complex and layered film. There was a, for me at least, um, have you ever seen the movie Hereditary? No. Okay. Uh, it's a scary movie and uh, there's some... That's, uh, that's why I have to certain There's a bit where that it evokes that for me where like the standing in the corner because of mental illness slash, I don't know, some batshit insane thing is about to go down um, really was it really harkened back to like a scary movie uh, trope. Yep. Um, and I, I thought it was well played. We never like figure out why, what exactly is his mental illness for a movie that's quite sensitive about, you know, depression. Uh, we, we didn't actually ever figure out what was wrong with him that, that his family was aware of. I mean, it did examine a certain part of arranged marriage culture, which is the lying about illnesses. Yep and hiding uh, that families do just to get like their sons or daughters married off and basically away from them. So it's no longer their responsibility. Well, and, and it stands as a contrast to Sobin's character as well, at, that he's, he's perceived as part of this family that, you know, oh, they live on that little plot of land and it's all garbage and yada, yada, like very undesirable. And yet, their reaction to it is a much more desirable reaction to his mental state than it is with right. Shami's character. Yeah, every everybody accommodates Shami. You know, he needs to eat with this, and and he needs this, and he, you have to do this, and if he does this, it's okay, and just wait for him. And it's like everybody's accommodating it rather than and saying there's something that needs to be yeah. worked out with this guy. Yeah, even his uh, the fact that his uh, barbershop co-owner friend uh, basically won't stay to eat a meal because he's like terrified of Shami um, and is <laughs> so funny. Like I could never figure out what, whether it was because Shami doesn't like him around the women or uh, or what, but it, w- it was a very odd encounter where he kept insisting, no, 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 no. <laughs> But yeah, again, I mean, a really interesting character to think about when normally a character like that would be very heroic, very, you know, we were supposed to root for him. You know, here is this character who's just horrifying, quite honestly. And we're expected to see him that way. And his obsession with his mustache especially is um, very funny because, yes, yes, there's a lot of dialogue in Malayalam cinema where masculinity is is entirely in your mustache. Um, and and the fact that, yeah. you know, they make a point that he's like, he in his own head, he's like this patriarch, uh, masculine figure who um, has a perfect mustache because that's what all patriarchal masculine figures do. Um, it's such a play on Malayalam cinema's obsession with the mustache. Well, and, and every cinema, because you were talking about blogathons earlier, and we did one called Mucho Prima. Um, I think that's what it was called. But it was about sort of celebrating the mustache in Indian cinema. And I found that actually really interesting to participate in, because that was the first time that I went and looked at Malayalam films and went, wow, this is important. And that co- sort of connects in a way to Angamali Diaries, because there's a point where Pepe mm-hmm. is trimming his beard, and he says to himself, maybe I should shave it off. And then he says, nah, the girls like my beard, so I'll leave it. Just this little throwaway about, you know, the whole 
again, a different view of masculinity. The girls, the girls like me better with a beard. And there's that transition where he goes from like college guy to, you know, straight up in these streets, beating people up character where he's, uh, where his beard grows out more fully. So let's, let's switch then to Angamali Diaries, which is the story of Vincent called Pepe. I, I actually find that kind of interesting because in my the Italian side of my family, everyone who's a, as a Joseph ends yeah. up being called Pepe. Anywho, from Angamali lives with his mother and his sister and their father is absent. He's gone to someplace in Karnataka for, to run a cotton business. And you sort of see him in this devout Catholic community growing up. He becomes an altar server. But for him, the real role models are the local football team, the New Stars team and their captain, Babaji, who are also, he talks about, um, you know, getting their gang together. And this, the, the Babaji gang is, are their role models and the people they admire and the people they try to strive, he and his gang strive to be like. Um, and they get their, you know, their advice, their life advice from Babaji, which is if you're going to start a fight first, you know, hit the guy next to the guy talking and then, you know, beat the <laughs> you know what out of everybody. So it's it's sort of in a way a kind of we're, we're rolling back to this, the same kind of Mohanlal physical masculinity coming out in this. And, you know, you mentioned they, they at first they're in college. Actually, I'm doing a really miserable job summarizing the film because so it, in some ways, in some ways, it's very much like, you know, the title gives it off. It's a diary of this particular moment, this particular place and the things they get themselves involved in. It's a lot about um, I would say the entire movie is in some ways about the futility of male violence. Um, yeah, because because they're constantly there's this constant thread of them having to to beat other people up or being beat up by other people and and the opening scene which which ties back in the end they're in a in a bar and they're being watched by other groups and in the end we realize that it's they're they're actually being targeted to be beat up it's it's also really interesting because as they get first he's in the cable business and then he then he doesn't do that and then he gets into the pork business and sort of the rivals the two guys who are the rivals in the in the Ravi and Rajan and they're all really hyper violent, except they do talk things through. There are moments. Yeah, they pop off and then they drink and then they talk things yeah. through. And the whole thing that um, sets off what happens to Vincent Pepe is they get into an argument with Ravi and Rajan and they get someone to build them some whole homemade bombs that they take with them. Because they have had the bombs thrown at their stall, their pork stall as well. So they decide, well, we're going to do this too. And in the meantime, they're at, they all gather at this, this place. And Ravi and Rajan are talking calmly to somebody on their side. And they're getting it resolved. When all of a sudden all the fighting breaks out and the bomb gets thrown and accidentally someone gets killed. And ends up with them you know, in this police case and trying to sort it all out. And it's mostly trying to to sort out avoiding getting punished for this, you know, accidental death. So there's this interesting thread at the same time about how they're all hyper-masculine and fight, 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 fight. But there's also this thread that things really do get solved by talking. 
there is a, a they're they're always ready to fight but then the consequences of that violence the larger social consequences of the violence they're very scared of um it really disrupts their life and their plans yeah. um in a way the violence does not and the whole see- thing with the bombs really harkened to four lines for me um mm. the, just the the cluelessness of people who um you know malayalam cinema and i think all cinema has this uh, has this point where they glorify violence um as something that's very strategic and that's something that can be executed in a way that um gets justice or or um gets revenge in to uh, for the from the right people but um but both four lions and this had the had the idea that violence is meaningless and it is just when it's deployed you have no idea who's going to end up being the target of it yeah and and the fact that they are they kind of disassociate it in a, in a in a way i mean they know what they're being violent but it kind of never occurs to them that people could be killed with the exception of the guy building the bombs yeah. who's trying to put it together while he's hiding <laughs> the tree and they're like, well, why are you doing that? Well, it, if it goes off, I'll only lose my hands. And I'm like, are you not, are you all not thinking this through? And it's somehow acceptable that you'll only lose your hands? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of a, a movie like that set in the United States. I'm sure that instead of bombs and fists, it will be guns. But I think... Um, any gang mm. movie could you know young men getting into gang story could would be this have the same amount of humor in it because of just how quickly violence can sort of escalate into th- this level of death but also yeah. comedy and it's sort of i mean for me it was kind of sad at some point that the death was meaningless the discussion was around how much money should we hand over for the death to yeah. solve this. It, and it wasn't even so much, uh, there was a little bit of how much money for the widow, but it was also, you know, the guys on the other side saying, yeah. how much can we get? You know, how much will you give us to keep quiet? Rather than any any sort of perceived notion of, well, we at least have to, you know, make this situation, make the best of this situation. It was really just negotiation to, so that, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have to suffer the consequences of their actions. Yeah, and... Uh... You know, but in the violence, um, I, I think there's a lot in common with the violence we see in Mohanla sort of meet out in, in Sukhumo Baby, the just random jumping on each other and uh, stopping people with motorbikes. It's, there's a, you know, there's something, there's something in the, those two where Mohanla dies of a, a, a motorcycle accident after all the violence that he gives and he receives and the motorcycle accident mm. is just simply because of what we see what we've seen in the movie as his own recklessness um the way he drinks and uh, yep. drives um and in the same way in angamali diaries we see that the you know the vi- violence they meet out towards each other is pretty meaningless it's at the end of the day uh their own decisions that end up hurting or not hurting them and in Angamali Diaries, we see that as the men are kind of going about these lives, you know, having these big dreams, b- big ideas of the kind of life they're going to lead, 
um, you know, how violence and money is going to accomplish these things. The women are just kind of chugging along, making money that supports the family. There's no big boom or bust cycle with the women. They're just kind of, you know, working as nurses, uh, you know, you know, selling whatever they grow in their land to bring in the steady income. And the Angamali Diaries, um, we their women are in the background sort of hidden, but when we see them, we see that they're the backbone of how these gangs are basically running the city with the steady income that they're bringing in. I mean, at the end of the day, it's Lichi who saves him. Which surprised me, to be quite honest. And his sister, whose uh, dowry was given away to pay for his violence. But even for him, like the first relationship he's in with the, the girl whose family lives, she's a nursing student and the f- the family lives in Germany. Germany. Yeah. I kept getting the sense that he wasn't in the relationship because he cared about her one way or the other, mm-hmm. but she was a good person to be in a relationship with because it could get him out of, and even even to the but but even to the point where, you know, there's this constant little thread of being a pork butcher in Germany is like a really honorable profession, and yet he doesn't see it as that. He's like, well, wait a minute, you're gonna make me work in a restaurant. Yeah, he has these big ideas of what his life is going to be, whether in Kerala or Germany, but he doesn't realize that the women are just like going to keep chugging away at their regular jobs. They don't have any idea of like having a glamorous, glorious life that he does. Yeah. And if he's going to have any chance at a different life, it's going to be through these women who are chugging away and and doing what they need to do. Like even, even, you know, when he finally gets married, it's really to rescue him out of this situation you know that he's gotten himself and get him a job and get him doing yeah and and getting him out of you know this sort of cycle of violent meaningless violence absolutely it's it's so uh powerful to me how the role lichi plays in the movie um she's so she's so interesting she's um you know she she kind of has Mm a kind of power over him that most uh, love interests don't over their male love interests because, you know, we see them as little boys where she yells at them to like get off the road um, because she's the older sister of his friend. And um, like she, he's so fearful of her in a way that, you know, we don't see Sunny being fearful of Tara in that way um, because in Malayalam cinema, in, in Kerala culture, women typically refer to their partners with the with the same honorific as the as an elder brother right um so instead in this relationship that's sort of turned up upside down he refers to her as chechi the honorific for older sister and i was kind of interested Mm -hmm. to see what he called her after they got married did he keep calling her lichi i assume he did mostly he referred to her as she her um things like that, not by her title, which would be more respectful. It, it was a very interesting term, mm. uh, dynamic, and I would I would really like to see more of them. Mm. To be honest, it reminded me a little bit mm-hmm. of, of what they did in Premam. Simply the fact that it's he, he's at first interested in the sister, but then it's the mm-hmm. other sister that he ends up with in the end. I don't know if there's, you know, if it's a similar dynamic or not, but just this idea that someone, someone who's always there kind of in, in the background and who may not be Mm -hmm. 
um, your your love interest because you're 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 not even looking in that direction is is the is the person you end That's up true. with and, in the end. Um, I think right now I'm seeing a lot more um, Malayalam movies where sort of it's mentioned that the female love interest is older than the guy, and um, I, there's a certain taboo in um, mm. Malaya, uh, among Malayalis about the guy being younger than the woman. Um, and I think specifically it comes from certain traditions, especially in the Naya community, the, that the guy had to be two years older or more than the woman, that there's there, there's like a correct number of uh, years between the man and the woman. And, and the, the, just the fact that movies are breaking that taboo is, is very interesting to me. Um, where the woman gets to assert more control over the relationship simply because she is older and she knows better. Mm. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Yes, we have. Um, which is which is one of the reasons that the you know sort of the thematic approach is kind of interesting because it does it does give us a chance to look at at links and look at films in ways we perhaps might not have looked at them otherwise. Oh, so do we have any way to sum up? So this is my uh, thesis that I sort of had floating around in my head and I shared with you that um, there is something very, uh, very central to a man being a brother in, in Malayalam cinema that we see it in um, all of these movies in some way or the other, that they're kind of defined by their ability to be a sibling or a pseudo sibling. Um, and that they're that they function best in those roles, that they come into their own as men in those roles, and that we, you know, a lot of the themes that we saw in the '80s and early '90s are are coming back in new and more vibrant ways in this in this decade. Um, and I'm really excited mm. to see more of men who are lost and who who find themselves, <laughs> and uh, you know, women who can't express their feelings and get um, act klutzy and silly because of this and men being the objects of desire. That's always, that's always interesting. Um, what are you excited about? As we, I mean, to, to be honest, I'm most excited that we get a chance to talk to each other and to share this with, with others and, and hopefully offer them some interesting ways to think about some of these films. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, doing the preparation for this, these are not films I might necessarily have put together on my own. So it was really interesting to find the similarities and the threads um, as we've talked about them and as, you know, watching them and making some notes and then talking about them. So I'm I'm really hopeful that this is going to be something we get to continue for a while and, and find our way to doing this. Um... <laughs> yeah, this was, this was rough. And uh, I think we're getting, just getting a feel of like what, what, how our thoughts flow. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Poland and Empathy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, remember to come back for our next episode and share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at polandinapati at gmail.com or reach out to us on our Twitter feed at Polandin. See you next time.